0: Welcome to episode 144 of the Headspace and Timing podcast. September is Suicide Prevention Month. In the past, we've highlighted a number of different aspects of suicide during the month of September, but this is an important conversation. Usually when we talk about suicide, we talk about intervening when someone's in a suicidal crisis, but we don't often talk about what happens when someone is impacted by a loss by suicide. My guest today is Dr. Shauna Springer, Senior Director of Suicide Prevention Initiatives, Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors. Here's a short preview of the longer conversation. You're listening to Headspace and Timing, where we're trying to change the way that we think and talk about veteran mental health. To begin with, Shauna and I talk about the differences between postvention and prevention and the danger of not delineating between the two in response to a loss by suicide.
1: The awareness of the differences between these concepts gets a bit blurred. So, for example, we respond to a number of incidences on bases, on military bases. We get calls uh, to consult when there's been a suicide loss. And... What we've noticed is a pattern of sometimes sending out suicide prevention trainers in response to a suicide loss. The problem with that is that people on that base are often already feeling a lot of survivor guilt and feeling things like, why did this happen? Why didn't I see it coming? What did I miss? And they're feeling a lot of this guilt already. And so sending in suicide prevention training, while it might seem intuitive, is actually not what they need and will tend to increase the feelings of survivor guilt when you bring in kind of the standard suicide prevention training that's all about recognize the signs, be vigilant, you know, take action. Um, In the wake of a suicide loss, this can actually inadvertently increase risk factors for those who have been impacted.
0: Another point that Shauna made, which I hadn't considered, was the tendency to passively offer support after suicide loss, sometimes in an attempt to respect privacy or not be intrusive, but which is possibly less than helpful.
1: There's a pattern of what I call passive resource offering. So when people have been impacted by a traumatic loss, like a suicide loss, there is a tendency that we've noticed for people to be told, we're here if you need us here are the resources. Here are the phone numbers. Here's the phone number for TAPS. Here's the phone number for this clinical support. Please reach out. Let us know what you need. So it's kind of an opt-in kind of service. And people do that out of the best of intention. But the thing is that people have their life burned to the ground in the wake of this kind of loss for a time. And they've never been down this road before. They don't know what they need. So one of the things that... Is really important is that we can't sort of passively offer them resources in an opt in kind of way. Survivors really benefit from a proactive approach that doesn't wait for them to opt in.
0: As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, Shauna is the Senior Director for Suicide Prevention Initiatives for TAPS. In this segment, she describes the TAPS suicide postvention model.
1: So the TAPS postvention model has three phases. The first phase is stabilization. The second phase is grief work, and the third phase is post-traumatic growth. Now, grief work happens throughout the entire process, of course, but there's just more of an intentional focus on helping people approach and sit with grief and move through it during the second phase of the model. Uh, We want to help people become trained up and conversant in our model so that we're all operating according to the same roadmap for healing, because the model really helps us identify where people get stuck, and how we can move them through a process of healing after a devastating loss. Um, But if we can train up people in the model, then our vision is to be able to provide that consultation to people who have the framework and the roadmap, so that we can help move things through and sort of scale it that way.
0: One of the most critical aspects of suicide postvention is the importance of trust. Here, Shauna describes how important trust is to supporting those who have experienced suicide
1: loss. It really does come down to building the trust with people to get the story behind the story. So if you have somebody who is, you know, feeling a lot of shame in response to the, the suicide loss of a loved one, the first story that you often get is, you know, let's take example, the example of a spouse whose partner died by suicide. And she says, you know, he lost his battle to post-traumatic stress. When you build the trust with people, then you might get a different story. For example, maybe the real story behind the story is, and before he Mm. ended his life, we had a huge fight. And I told him that if he doesn't change his behavior or stop drinking, that I was going to leave him. And so then he ended his life and I feel responsible. And so being able to get to that issue that is causing, that is eating that person alive with guilt and feelings of responsibility, they may be really stuck there and may need some help kind of processing that and integrating that understanding of the suicidal mode and the perfect storm uh, before they can be lower risk than they are when they come in.
0: As I often say, none of us have the solution to the problem of suicide in the military-affiliated population. I'm a mental health professional, and me and my colleagues don't have the answers, because if we did, the problem would be solved. Instead, it takes a community to address it. I don't have the answer individually, but we all have the answer collectively.
1: What we do at TAPS is we offer best practice peer support and consultation and training around postvention, but we cannot do this alone. It's got to be, as you said, the public health approach with an all-hands-on-deck uh, kind of uh, orientation. So we, we develop working partnerships with organizations that complement our services because it's critical to fill out the full continuum of care. We provide uh, training and good information, but we have to partner with people who offer the pieces that we can't or um, are not able to provide to them, whether it's spiritual support, clinical support, Uh, resources that we may not offer for people that are suffering.
0: One of the things we often talk about is post-traumatic growth and how we can find increased strength after trauma and tragedy. It may be hard to think that after losing someone to suicide, but Shauna describes that as a critical component to the TAPS postvention model.
1: You know, it's not just about preventing further suicides. The work that we do is about helping people to heal and to thrive after loss, which is An important piece that I think gets lost. We think sometimes when you have a devastating loss, you're going to be just debilitated from here on out. That's not what we see. With the right support, people can really reset.
0: You're listening to Headspace and Timing, where we're trying to change the way that we think and talk about veteran mental health. We talk about a lot more in The Longer Conversation. Shauna talks about peer support and lost survivors becoming advocates for suicide prevention, some more about the efforts that TAPS is making to educate the community, and some of her efforts to support the faith community in addressing these problems. Tune in to The Longer Conversation, which you can find at veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash HST144. Just a reminder that the guests and information on this show are for educational purposes only and not meant to be considered professional advice. Make sure to join us for the next episode. Hit subscribe on your podcast player of choice. Until next time, remember veterans, you're not alone. Ever.